0: What's up? This is Greg Schnoes, host of the Bevo Broadcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Well, Texas was back in the win column this weekend. Had a couple of little moments that made you wonder what's going on here kind of thing. But to be perfectly honest with you, I was talking to a friend before the game even started, running some errands on late afternoon on Saturday, and I said, this game is going to have everything in it, meaning unexpected plays, trick plays anything and everything because what is utsa expected to do in this game they're expected to lose they're a double digit uh, underdog by las vegas everybody's picking them to lose against texas so they have nothing to lose and everything to gain and when teams are in that kind of situation that's when you see these trick plays and every kind of thing under the sun so i was telling myself and my friend expect the unexpected that is what this game is gonna be and ultimately, that's what it turned out to be in the early going. And Texas ends up winning the game 41-20. If you just look at it from that point, you're like, okay, they won. They won convincingly. But at one point, they were down 17-7. to And at that moment, I was just like, how are they going to react to this game? How are they going to come back? They know their quarterback in Hudson Card is not 100%. Steve Sarkeesian was very quiet, almost to the point where almost annoyed when he was asked questions about his quarterback and what was going on with the potential game plan. And I get that. He doesn't want to tell everybody, oh, by the way, our quarterback might have a high ankle sprain, so we're trying to figure out what we're going to do offensively. We're probably just going to run it a lot, throw a lot of short passes. Of course he's not going to say that. Anybody, any coach would never, ever tell the media anything. So I get that completely. But with this game, I just was convinced that something silly was going to happen probably more more than once. And then sure enough, when UTSA gets that first touchdown, what do they do? They go onside's kick right after. What a great call by Jeff Trailer. Why not? Head coach of UTSA went for the made the bold choice, made the big call, and it paid off. And then what do they do? I mean, I don't care if this is a video game or real life. I mean, I know with me when NCAA was still around, NCAA on EA Sports, which I still have a PS3 and still play the game occasionally. (laughs) But right after a big uh, momentum change, let's say onside kick or something like that, or turnover, take a shot down the field. And that's exactly what UTSA did. They did the double pass, and Ryan Watts was the one who was victimized by this. Little side note here, Ryan Watts has me a little concerned. He really does. I remember Michael Griffin saying in the spring game, former Longhorn defensive back, former first round pick, great player for the Longhorns, said on Longhorn Network after the game in the spring, he said he is not a corner. He is a safety. He's a 6 foot 3 guy, but he's playing corner. Usually corners are not that tall. And Michael Griffin is like, I see a safety in this guy all day long. Go back to last week with Alabama, he got beat for a touchdown late in that game when Bryce Young was scrambling around and found one of his receivers in the end zone for a touchdown pass. And then at the end, when the defense dialed up the perfect corner blitz and he had Bryce Young dead to rights and he completely whiffed on that tackle, who knows how that changes that game because that's a huge loss. It puts Alabama back. The time is of the essence. Everything is going in Texas's favor at that point. Instead, Watts completely misses. And then Bryce Young's down the sideline for like a 22-yard gain, but Ryan Watts got beat for the long TD. It just has me a little bit concerned. I don't know if he's still trying to figure the position out, get his feet out from up, get his feet under him. But at this point in the season, I think it's a cause for concern, and hopefully things will get better from here on out. But just these two, these past two games, there's just too many things that are happening that are in the in unfortunately a negative light with Ryan Watts. But let's get back to the game from Saturday. So after UTSA goes up 17 to seven, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, "How? well, this is, for all the detractors and all the naysayers, they're gonna say, look, see, here we go, Tech, same old Texas. Gonna lose to a bad team at a conference like they've done so many years in a row. And now they're at, all the momentum's on UTSA's side. So what do they do? How do they respond? Well, this is exactly what they do. 12 plays, 67 yards, four minutes off the clock for a drive, and Bijan punched it in for a touchdown on the ground, who had an incredible night between Bijan, 20 carries, 183 yards, three touchdowns, averaged nine yards a carry. Rashawn Johnson, who's probably one of my favorite players in this program right now, just from the leadership aspect, the guy will do anything, will play special teams. This guy's going to make an NFL roster and make an impact no matter where he plays. Just because this kid is just a, just as they say, a, quote, football player, Put him anywhere, he'll make it work. But he had 11 carries, 81 yards, and had a touchdown catch as well. But I even, you know, going back to the discussion I had with a friend at the beginning, I said this is going to be a game where if Hudson Card is not 100% and there was all these rumors and all things out there saying he might have a high ankle sprain, obviously he looked uh, like he had some issues in the game against Alabama. So what do you do? Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? So there was a lot of mystery surrounding Card and his condition with that ankle. So I just remember saying to my friend I go on top of all the silly stuff that could potentially happen this is another thing that's going to happen. Texas is going to run the ball 40 times in the night. Don't put card in bad situations, don't have him do a lot of long dropbacks where he's you know, scanning, you know, deep developing plays down the field that take a while to develop. No, this is going to be Bijan, Roshan, and anybody else that wants to run the football join the party. And <laughs> sure enough. They ran it 36 times. I thought they run it at least 40. They ran it 36, so I wasn't very far off in that regard. When I was talking to a friend of mine, saying this is just going to be run, run, like let's do it old school Texas style, run it put line up in the wishbone, Rashawn uh, Johnson and quarterback, and you know Bijan and uh, power I formation, whatever you want. <laughs> let's just run it down their throat because you just didn't know with what Hudson Card what he was going to be. Uh, health-wise. And he turned out, I mean, we had that long scramble in the second half. I was screaming, get down, get down. What are you doing? <laughs> I just, the you know, my life of uh, this 2022 season as a Longhorn fan flashed before my eyes because I was just like, oh no, this kid's running. Somebody's going to take, you know, dive low. Something's going to happen. But thankfully he got down. Thought there might've been a targeting call on that play, but it seemed like that didn't get called. And for the here we go. A little side sidebar here. I absolutely positively hate the targeting call in college football. It's dumb. It's it's I get its point in trying to make the game safer, but it's football. It's a full contact sport. You can only do so much to make it safe. It's like telling the guys at NASCAR or IndyCar, or Formula 1, when you're doing 180 and you need to pass somebody, you know I mean? you need to make sure there's enough room and put your uh, blinker on so to let everybody know that you're getting over so you can make a pass. That's essentially what they're trying to do with football. I get the head injuries and all that. I get it. I, I totally understand the logic behind it. But that call on DeMarvion Overshawn was just a complete silly call. He's like 6'3", oh, 6'4", six, six, the quarterback for UTSA six foot. Their face masks hit, their helmets hit. I don't get it. Even last week, I don't want to go on again, but that whole should have been a safety, that whole disaster of a sequence against Alabama where Bryce Young's leg literally was on the ground. They should have called it down. There should have been a safety, but they didn't call it. And then somehow, someway, he gets, Texas got called for targeting, and it got their targeting call was eventually proved to be a ill-advised flag thrown by whatever official saw that, but this this, this rule is just doing nothing to help things. It's football, things are moving so fast, you cannot help sometimes that you're gonna hit somebody in the head. It's just, when you sign up to play the sport, that's kind of what you know the potential that could happen. Again, if you get a kid and you teach him how to drive go-karts and get him into car racing, and he really takes to it, and he really enjoys it, and he just keeps moving up level after level after level, Eventually, he's going to drive cars at a very high rate of speed with no room in between him and other cars. It is inherently dangerous to drive a race car for a living. You can die. Plenty of guys have. Football, you can get really hurt. I get it. But this targeting call is just the worst thing ever. It always comes at the worst time. Guys are just trying to hustle and make plays, and then they're suspended. They might miss part of a next game. It's It's just I don't like it. I understand the logic behind it, but it just seems to come always at the worst times. The referees don't seem to – it's just like the NFL couldn't figure out what a catch was a few years ago. And now with this targeting thing, it seems like – I swear if you ask 10 referees, you'd probably get 10 different explanations. Just because when you see it play out on Saturdays, it just it – just, and very rarely do you see a like clear-cut, oh, yeah, that's exactly targeting. Nobody – I mean, sure, it does happen, but most of the time when it does, it seems like there's such a gray area, and it seems like the officials always side on the of the call of it's targeting, you know, eject him from the game, and now he can't play in the next game for part of the next game, which is just, uh just don't like it. <laughs> Anyways, back to the game. I'm sorry. I just, the targeting thing really gets me upset. But DeMarvion Overshone, as on a positive note, Agent Zero, as he's known in Austin, made 10 tackles, was all over the field. And part of the same thing I said in the very beginning of this, the first podcast I did here on the Heartland College Sports Network, that he, he's played a lot of football for this Texas defense. He needs to be part of that leadership. He needs to show this is be that guy, follow me, and this is what's going to happen. And he has shown every week. He's flashed every week. He's made big plays every week. And it, he's a new, uh, a new uh, just had a baby, baby boy last week. So congratulations to. To him and uh, his uh, significant other, now they have a child. That's awesome, good for them. But I mean, defensively, Texas, yeah. <sighs> there's little moments here and there. Things. I mean, nothing's perfect. You know, we li- we don't live in a world of everything's perfect and nothing's wrong. There's things that can be fixed. But when you're down 17 to seven, and then you end up winning 41 to 20, you only gave up 13 points the rest of the game. That's fine. I can live with that. The The emotion of the play and then the onside kick, all that, things like that happen in these type of matchups where everybody has nothing to lose and everything to gain from the UTSA side. So that Texas weathered that storm. They responded by having a 12-play drive, took four minutes off the clock, and punched it in to start the second half. What did Texas do offensively? Bijan had that big run for a TD. And if you watch that game, Jatavian Sanders, the tight end, number zero, so there's two zeros in Texas. You have DeMarvion Overshawn, the linebacker, and Jatavian Sanders, the tight end, wearing zero, which is kind of confusing, and I hate that they're wearing zero in college football. It just seems it's not a number. It just looks goofy. Anyways, <laughs> it's just me. Maybe I'm, I'm getting old. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just used to what not having zero out there. But anyways, Jatavian Sanders only caught one pass for five yards, and he was one of the keys that I looked to going into the season, a guy that could make a huge impact catching the football, making plays from the tight end position. If you rewatch that game, a lot, if he lined up, it, it seemed like he would motion from one side of the formation to the next, and he was a glorified blocker. I mean, he might as well have been a fullback. He was, he was blocking in Bijan's big runs. He literally cuts right behind Jatavian Sanders' block. For the big TD in the third quarter, a lot of the runs he had throughout the game, I'd give Jatavian Sanders a game ball. The fact that he only caught one ball for five yards, but he was more than willing to go out there as a blocker and mix it up and help the team in that regard shows me that this kid, along with the rest of the team, is buying into what Steve Sarkeesian is doing. He's probably saying, hey, quarterbacks not 100%. The targets probably aren't going to be there. They're, if they are, they're going to be short, quick throws. But this is what we need from you this week. It's going to be a heavy dose of the run game. And that's another thing that Texas is lacked. Jared Wiley, everybody remembers him, the tight end who is transferred now to TCU. Huge physical guy, like six seven but who was a former quarterback who didn't like getting in the the trenches and blocking. Well, that's part of the deal when you sign up to play tight end in pretty much any offense. Yes, the tight end position has evolved and changed a lot through through the years, and they're involved more in the vertical passing game than they probably ever have been before. But at some point, you're going to be asked to line up in the line of scrimmage, chip, block, stay in as an extra blocker, contribute in the run game as a blocking tight end, and Jatavion Sanders, I would give a game ball for that and that reason specifically. Was a great blocker, made some holes, Bijan Robinson cut right off of him, and made a lot of big plays on Saturday night. So tip of the caps of Jatavion Sanders and his effort in the run game. He was magnificent, and it's just another thing to see. Like I said, that shows me the guys are wanting to buy in, and it's not all about me. I want to catch the ball, I want to get my yards. No, sometimes you're going to be asked to block, and you only get one target for, and one ball thrown your way for five yards. And you're going to be asked, hey, you're going to be out on the field. You're going to be contributing, but I need you to do this. That shows me guys are buying in. That shows me guys are, are looking at the bigger picture and things like this. These are little building blocks and things that we keep mentioning throughout these podcasts that I'm doing every week that we look for these little things. Like I said all year, temper your enthusiasm. There's a lot of young guys on this team. There's a lot of youth across both sides of the ball, but we are seeing little things every week that are helping this team win games. As we said, Heavy dose of the run, offensive line, played a great game as well. And Kelvin Banks, true freshman left tackle, that's maybe another game ball right there. That young man has come right in and just been outstanding. For me, that was a huge concern coming into the season playing a lot of young guys on the offensive line. And you'd be hard-pressed to see the quarterback scrambling or giving up a sack, and he's standing there put his arms up like, gee, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, this kid is the real thing. And I'm just so thankful he's a longhorn and he's out there left tackle making things happen and along with the rest of the offensive line. Just little steps, little things add up to the big things. Keep improving every week. Keep getting better as a team. And then once you have Oklahoma here in a couple of weeks, that Red River shootout is just around the corner. Today's date is the 19th of September. It's, it's just hard. It blows my mind. We're already half more than halfway through September. But when football season's back, it just rolls right through us, right? I mean, it's just like bang, 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 week after week. It's just like, oh, I love it. I love this time of year. <laughs> but that Texas OU matchup in the Cotton Bowl is just around the corner. Right after that, Texas has Oklahoma State. If Texas can keep doing what they're doing, Quinn Ewers should be back by the OU game. He was actually warming up and in full, full pads on Sunday Saturday. Got a text right before the game showing me that. And I was like, what? What's going on here? Like, let's not speed, let's not speed, you know, uh, uh, rushing back, excuse me, rushing back onto the field. Let's let the young man heal up. Let him be ready if he can be back before OU. Great. If not, either way. But if Texas can keep this thing, keep it going straight. And if they can get through Oklahoma and get through Oklahoma State by that point, if both those other teams are still undefeated while Texas when Texas plays them, that means Texas is be two teams in the top ten. And then they're only going to move up in the rankings, and they will be in the top ten by. Mid to late October, if you if I just said to you at the beginning of this season that you're only that Texas, you're going to have Alabama on the ropes, on the ropes, shut them out for two quarters for six straight series of three and out for Alabama, and you're going to be in that game, you're going to have the lead late in the fourth quarter, you would be like, oh, where do I sign? <laughs> let's go, let's do this. And then, if you beat Oklahoma and you beat Oklahoma State, and you're by late October, you're sitting in the top ten after last year, and all the negativity that surrounded this program, and what all the week after week and the second half having the lead and then just losing the lead, and just the morale of this football team was down. If you'd have told me all these things before the season, now, granted, that's we're putting the cart in front of the horse here just a little bit, but I'm just asking you, I'm asking you to dream, Longhorn fans. It's okay. We're just, we're just throwing a hypothetical out of here. Now, that's all. We're just saying, hey, this team could potentially be in the top ten, and that's all you want. Compete for a conference championship. I've always said temper the enthusiasm, and that and I'm still saying that. If this team can get to a conference championship, win a conference championship, that'll be phenomenal. If you're in the mix for that, that's, a, that's good. That means you're having a winning season. You're going to a better bowl game. Hopefully something outside of Houston or San Antonio outside of that Sugar Bowl in 2018, when Texas beat Georgia, that seems to be the only bowl games they play in lately. <laughs> Which, let's let's get out of the state of Texas for a bowl game. Let's play in one of those, you know, after New Year's games. Because I just feel as a fan, if you play in a bowl game before New Year's Day, eh, if it's after Christmas before New Year's, there's so many. It's just like, only, only. I, would, I don't want to say only, but... The big ones that get everybody's attention, the ones that kind of put you in the spotlight are the ones on New Year's Day and afterwards. Obviously, the college football playoff, I don't believe, is a feasible option. If Texas were to make it, I'd be ecstatic. If they can somehow roll off they're going to lose the other game the rest of the year, win the conference championship, I think there's a good chance they could compete for that. But let's not go way, way, way down that rabbit hole just yet. Let's just keep keep the thing on the track, so to speak. This is a fan base. We'll be happy to see this team get better every week like they have been. Sarkeesian, I honestly feel like this team looks like they're buying in. And uh, it started off like the play calling. Even in the beginning, was very conservative. And I was just like, man, they're not throwing down the field. Finally, things opened up, and then Card was able to start spreading the football around. Whittington made some plays. Uh, Obviously, Xavier Worthy, we're still waiting for that big play from Xavier Worthy. They are trying like, oh, so much sarkeesian is is dialed it up many times with viewers and now card and they just haven't got that thing connected but it's okay they're gonna get it they're gonna make it happen hey wouldn't it be great if xavier worthy hits ou for two long tds plus let's say he catches like a, a 65 yard and a 50 yard td bomb? wouldn't that be great i would love for that to happen If again if i'm throwing another hypothetical out here and i said hey Xavier Worthy and Quinn Ewers finally get on the same page and they start hitting some bombs down the field. And it just happens to be in the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. I think everybody would sign up for that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I know I would. (laughs) So it's, it was a good one. I'm looking forward to the game this weekend. It's in Lubbock, Texas tech. We all know the tortillas are going to be flying in from all, from all corners of the stadium. And of all things, I, I, I don't get it, but Hey, it's Lubbock, that's what they do. I like tortillas, but I usually like them when I'm having fajitas or enchiladas or tacos, any of those wonderful items. But, hey, they like throwing them at the opposing teams, so whatever. <laughs> but it's always a tough place to play in Lubbock. It's it's just always, no matter who's the coach, I don't care if it's Mac Brown or Tom Herman, and now Sarkeesian's going out there. It's going to be a tough matchup. Tech is obviously, it's this is their Super Bowl every year. This is the big in rival big in-state rival I mean Texas AM I mean for a while there Texas Tech was holding their own with am and winning some of those games with in the Mike leach era and all of that time you know back in the years when Am was in the big 12 but Texas Tech the hatred for the burn orange runs deep they don't like Texas and they don't want to they want to want nothing more than the Texas to roll in there just completely uh, throw a grenade in the Longhorn season, blow it up, and just all the negativity and all the naysayers come crawling out of the woodwork to say, "Oh, Texas is back again. You're losing to Texas Tech." They need—I'm sure—it's being more than discussed a few times every day. Lubbock is a tough place to play. All these players are well aware of it. The coaches are going to be made aware. Of it. I mean, they all know. Everybody knows. Everybody who has anything to do with this Longhorn program knows that that Lubbock is just silly things happen out there as well. Maybe more of what we were saying earlier. Some double pass, you know, double reverse, onside kicks. We might see all that again this weekend out in Lubbock. So just be ready for Expect the Unexpected. That will be the theme going into this weekend as well. So thank you so much for listening. This has been the Bevo Broadcast. My name is Greg Schnoes, host of the Bevo Broadcast and part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Let's go, Texas. Hook them. Look forward to speaking to you again next week. And have a great rest of your week.